0: And
1: all right so here are the rules for today and i feel like i'm weighing them out like we're doing the half hour show and i got all sorts of things i need to get to and we need to do this in a very quick amount of time but it's not really the case i got five hours I know, I know, we got five hours, we are on uh, Monday through Friday, we got the whole entire week to do so, so we can kind of hang out a little bit, nothing feels urgent, nothing feels uh, like we need to go ahead and be on the hop, we just feel like we got some space, we got some time, but there are some things that are a little bit different today relative to other Overtime with John of the Beetle and Shows, if you've listened in the past, okay, so this is what we're going to do am just going to break it down really quickly, and I'm going to try to maybe do this a little bit tonight uh, for a little bit of time here and there, and then hopefully by the time we get to tomorrow, I'll just be done saying it, and you guys will just be caught up to speed, and it is what it is. So last week, I ended up getting COVID, and obviously COVID's not great. COVID's not anything anybody wants to have. It was pretty awful. It's funny, like my, my wife was making jokes. She's like, oh, you got, you don't have to watch the baby. You don't have to do any work or anything like that. Like, not bad. I'm like, yeah, but I'm sleeping 20 hours a day. <laughs> it's not. It's not good. Plus, I feel like it's the end of the world right now. I didn't. I felt awful. I felt absolutely awful. I was sleeping a ton. And what's really funny when you're sleeping a ton, is that the days are just. They're just going by so quickly because I'm just. I'm exhausted. I couldn't do anything. And so I'd wake up, and what I would do, is I would. I would check like the podcast. Of like Ken and Anthony show and afternoon drive, and I would just I would just see what the guys were talking about, right? And it felt like every day last week I was I was watching different episodes of a TV show and then like moving on to the next season of it. And it just it just kept going and going and going and new things kept happening and it was just all very entertaining for me. Uh, just from a distance. And I I I did tune in one day and, and just check in and be like, oh, everyone's talking about Jim Schwartz and then have no context into why everyone is discussing whether or not Jim Schwartz will or won't leave, just understanding that that's what everyone's talking about today. And then I I would fast forward and then 24 hours later, it'd be on a completely something way different. Does this game matter? Does it not matter? And it was very entertaining to watch from a distance, but also it was very confusing because I normally have such a pulse on what's going on. And I felt like for last week, I had zero pulse, so I'm trying to get, you know, the pulse back of what everyone is talking about and what everyone's discussing, but it's going to be a very interesting little stretch here. I am from my house. Now, that means absolutely nothing to you guys, and it should mean absolutely nothing to you guys because ultimately you don't care, and I get that, but I need you guys to know that because I'm looking at different things and it's a different environment for me. Now, normally, like yesterday when I did this show, I was looking out into my backyard, and I could see all the snow on the ground, and I could see everything. Now it's just pitch black. It it is complete darkness, and so I'm basically looking out uh, into the same thing I'd look out if I was there in the Halley building doing a show. It's completely different from the perspective of what it was Sunday during the pregame. I'll live, but I need you guys to know this, so if it sounds just a little bit different, which it shouldn't, that's what that is. Outside of that, we should be ready to roll. Everything should be great. But I do feel like I owe you that beginning explanation. The idea that I was out because I have COVID. I'm still testing uh, positive. And so, like, until I get a couple negatives, I won't be back in the building. Hopefully, that does happen sooner rather than later. And so I can be back in my normal environment. But ultimately, we should just be ready to rock and roll. The reason why I bring it up, though, is because I have been coughing a ton. Just an absolute ton ton. Now it's been much better in the previous 24 hours. Yesterday I did the show with Spencer and I felt like that went well, but I also felt like, you know, doing a doing a show with somebody, you got a lot of room to you know, take a second or two to maybe not talk as much, to kind of slow yourself down if you will. In the building, I have a cough button. If I needed to cough, I just press the cough button and then it, it everything works. Here I don't really have that. So if I cough, and I'm going to work with some things, maybe I can try to do some things where if I have like a, a second cough and I know it, I can get there in time to turn it down and then turn it back up. Uh, but if I cough, just understand it's just part of the show for maybe the next couple days. But I don't think it's going to happen that often because now I've been talking for about six or seven minutes or so, and we've done all right. I've not coughed once. I've had a couple instances where I've gotten really close to coughing, but it's kind of like how you know I, I'm always – uh. It's always funny, I don't know how to explain how to do this, but I do believe you can teach your body this to a degree. Everyone's always asked me this question when I was doing updates. They'd be like, Jonathan, you do updates, and I know the updates are only three times an hour. I'd get this from people I was training more than anybody. They'd be like, well, you do updates three times an hour, you're on for seven hours a day, I've never heard anyone sneeze during these updates, how does it happen? And the, and the simple answer to me was, uh, just, you just you train yourself, to. if you ever needed to sneeze, you know how to not sneeze. I, I've not trained myself how to not cough. I know how to not sneeze on the air. You'll never hear me sneeze on the air. It is not a thing that will ever happen. I know how to redirect a sneeze. In like the six minutes I've been doing this now, I think I got a decent idea how to like redirect a cough. But we'll play with it. We'll play with it. We'll see what happens and that's enough of me rambling, talking about my COVID and everything else. Outside of that, uh, I want to tell you life has been great. Life has been awesome. 2024 is off to this great start. But honestly, I I, I feel a, a sense of nothingness because I've done basically nothing. I've, I've accomplished nothing. And, and for me, the type of person that I am, it is the absolute worst because I am somebody that hates the idea of doing nothing in a day. It's not that I'm a go, go, go guy. Please, let's not mistake that. There's nothing I love more than sitting back and watching a television series, watching sports, doing basically nothing all day long. There's nothing I love more than that. But even if I watch like a television series, there's still a part of my brain that'll be like, you know what? You did something. You, 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 you wanted to watch that and you knocked it out. I know it might not sound like much, but there's a part of me that at least can justify that. Or I can at least in the meanwhile be thinking about a sports thought here, a sports thought there. I can be doing something productive. There's always something productive that I can be doing, or at least something I can trick myself into thinking is productive into doing. I, I, I did nothing, and I've done and accomplished nothing in 2024. Getting ready for the show today might be the most I've done in that entire stretch. So we'll see how it goes. All right. Two one six four seven four double O ninety two 0092. On Twitter there, you can find me. I am at J Peterlin. I promise you we will not go deep into any more elongated uh, explanations of anything like that. That's it. It happened. It's done. Hopefully, a couple reminders here and there about the coughing, and we can move ourselves forward and getting ourselves excited for what is going to be one of the best weeks of football in the entire time that I've been doing radio at 923 the Fan. We are now going on almost eight years of me doing radio at this station, and it's amazing the amount of teams that I watched have their final week 18s the way we kind of had it yesterday where it was a blowout, but it was different because they had the idea that their season was done, that they were to the drawing board that they were focused now on the NFL draft, that they were trying to get the other conversations that I feel like we've had more years than not here since I've been here at 92.3 The Fan. The the type of conversations when when we all went through 1-31 and together, and then I, I would get on the air, and we would be talking. It would be November. There wouldn't even be snow yet on the ground, and we would be talking about how the Browns should do X, Y, and Z in the upcoming NFL draft. Those type of conversations that nobody wants to have watching seasons just completely upend themselves and spiral like is the case of Jacksonville yesterday and you watch everything just go up in smoke and the realization that certain teams just have to make big time moves the Panthers being another one of those teams as they've gone crazy and and then we've seen uh, you know all these firings today across the NFL And you see all sorts of other guys getting uh, potential looks at being promoted. It is a crazy 24-hour stretch when you end the season into today. But what's beautiful for the Browns is that we've turned the corner. And I'm not going to – I always try to figure these things out. I think Ken had it right this morning in suggesting that two weeks ago when I was in for Ken and Anthony, that day after the Thursday night game, that was the time for the pep rally. And oh boy, did we pep rally. We did a big time version of pep rally on that night. But now I, I, I don't need to talk about Sunday with you guys. I don't need to get down to the, the nitty gritty football, what happened. You guys know what happened in that game. Now we move forward to the Texans. And how confident are you in taking on Houston? Is it more about taking on the Texans, or is it more about taking on ourselves? 216 474 0092. I wanted the AFC South. We got the AFC South. I'm good. You know, my first blush reaction in all this is that I didn't want the Texans if you could give me Jacksonville, but it feels like someone asks you what you'd like to eat. You give them three options. There's a list of three options. You got an order you'd like, but you give them three. You're good with any of them. Then they choose the one that you wanted the least. You can't really complain about it. It's still one you wanted. It might be the one you wanted least, but I wanted that division. I wanted the AFC South and if that meant the Texans, I'm still good. I'm happy. There's things on the menu that I can get on board with. I'm not having a bad time here. We got the best of what we wanted, okay? We avoided any scenario that involves the Chiefs, any scenario that involves the Dolphins, even though they're banged up as hell right now, any scenario that involved the Bills in the first round. Three weeks ago, all we wanted was the AFC South, and we got it. So I can't sit here and call the Wambulance or throw us a pity party. That is not going to happen. Jacksonville imploding down the stretch and in year three of Trevor Lawrence going backwards is a devastating development for them. Jacksonville becoming the Hindenburg wasn't on my bingo sheet about two months ago. But we found ourselves in a situation where you're not taking on Trevor Lawrence. You're not taking on the Bills. You're not taking on the Dolphins. You're not taking on any one of these any one of these teams you should actually be scared of. I'm not calling week one a cakewalk. That would be insanity of me. Nothing's a cakewalk in the NFL, and C.J. Stroud is a good quarterback. On Sunday, I had mentioned in the pregame show that if you watch that game on Saturday night, though, it didn't seem like outside of Nico Collins, that connection between C.J. Stroud and the other receivers on that team was really doing that much, and the Texans couldn't tackle to save their life. If Jonathan Taylor doesn't get injured in that fourth quarter, I'm not sure the game goes the same way for Houston. In the outrushed Houston, 227-60 to in that game. The Texans were good. They weren't world beaters, though. And I'll give all the credit in the world to C.J. Stroud. I mean, you want credit, call it MasterCard. I'm usually not your guy. I'll give up all the credit in the world, though, to C.J. Stroud. For as one-dimensional dimensional, as I thought that offense was, and as predictable as it seemed to be at times, he did get the job done. This isn't me sitting here raining and poo-pooing on Houston fans and their desires for him to be some sort of franchise quarterback because guess what? He checked that off. He is that guy. This is about the Browns, though. And it's not just them having a franchise quarterback for Houston and then me being worried about that. No, 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 no. It is more about the idea that if the Browns play an A game against the Texans, A game, we're two-and-a-half point favorites on the road. You're winning that game. Destiny is in the Browns' hand for this week. There's no doubt about it. And I told you guys two weeks ago, I thought the Browns were the second-best team in the AFC. I stand firm on that today. There's nothing I watched in that Bill's Dolphins game that would ever move me off of that prediction. But let me ask you, to start this thing off, I want your first blush reactions reactions on taking on the Texans, but 216-474-0092, is it more about taking on the Texans or is it more about taking on ourselves? How confident are you with taking on Houston? Jeremy Branham, guy I used to work with in Houston, buddy of mine, he's going to join us coming up at eight o'clock. He does the midday show at ESPN Houston. Tay Seth, Sumer Athletics. We'll talk to him coming up in the nine o'clock hour as well. We got a ton to get into. We'll talk a little bit about the college football game. When that game gets going, we'll obviously discuss what's going on in that as well. But your time is now. 2-1-6-4-7-4-0092. It's Overtime with Jonathan Peterwin here with you on The Fan. All righty, back out of here on The Fan. It's Overtime with Jonathan Peterwin asking you guys, 216-474-0092, is it more about taking on the Texans or is it taking on ourselves? How confident are you in taking on Houston? couple reasons why C.J. Stroud doesn't scare me off the rip. I can talk about how great he is, and he is. He's very good. Finished six in passer rating, led the league in yards per game, 273 per game. He only had five picks all year, which is it's impressive. The offense for the Texans led the league in regards to not turning the ball over. Most quarterbacks in double digits and in interceptions this year, Josh Allen had 18, Mahomes had 14. There was a lot of interceptions this season. He's much better than I think even the common fan wants to give him credit for. He has been in fuego. This is not about me not giving C.J. Stroud his due. This is not. It's not about me, uh, you know, trying to uh, make some sort of homer. Browns are so much better than everyone else. It doesn't matter who they throw out a quarterback type take. But the reality is, is it doesn't matter who they throw out a quarterback. Call it a homer. Call it whatever you want. I'm. A, I'll live. I'll sleep easy at night knowing that the Browns have been able to stop every quarterback with the exception of two that's been thrown in their direction. Uncle Rico was number one, and I don't think I'll ever be able to explain how or why Gardner Minshew was one of them. But in that game, Miles Garrett still scored about 17 points worth of uh, defensive action on his own. He was accountable for, in my opinion, after the game, 17 defensive points. And he still won the game. The other one was Matthew Stafford. And Matthew Stafford legitimately did make the Browns' defense look a little silly. But I think that's a product more about having Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua than it is about Matthew Stafford being some sort of wizard. That's what I think about that. I think if we played the Dolphins, part of what would have me worried is that they're the only team that can do something relatively close as far as having two dynamic playmakers at at receiver the same way that uh, that, uh, Los Angeles can. It's a good team. Rams are a good team. They are. People were counting them out by the time that we got to play with them. There was a, they'd won two straight at that point, and there was just rumblings in the background of like, maybe they're getting something together. and what's supposed to be year two of a rebuild, essentially after winning the Super Bowl. Uh, they got it. They got to figure it figured out. They, I, actually, I just before we got underway here, I just was filling out a, a form that was a form makes it sound very uh, very like formal and official. It's not. It was for one of the betting apps, and they were, they were it was like uh, giving out a bunch of bonus bets, basically, if you get the playoffs right. And so uh, today, before I've done any research or anything on the postseason matchups, I had to pick three different matchups. And so I chose. I chose the Rams over the, the Lions. I did. Uh, and we'll get more into that a little bit later on as far as the Lions' perspective and what happened in Week 18 with Dan Campbell. My goodness. Way to just ruin your, your best tight end, uh, one of your best offensive players. But that's a different story for a different time. There aren't too many quarterbacks that scare me from a Browns defensive perspective. There aren't too many that really give me this big uh, Ernie McCracken at the foul line and kingpin type expression where I'm supposed to be, oh, I'm so scared. I I just don't see it, guys. And that's because if you're to tell me 2023 NFL is the year of Lamar Jackson, and that's how we look at these things. Ten years from now, you're going to look at, at 2023 NFL. This is how this always works. It's going to be remembered for who wins the league MVP and then who wins the Super Bowl. We obviously don't know who will win the Super Bowl yet, but Lamar Jackson's going to win his second league MVP. He is. This is. I mean, it's done. It's It's already It's cooked. It's in. MVP number two for Lamar, number one seed got paid this offseason to a contract that will make sure his kids' kids drive Lamborghinis, and when Lamar played the Browns six weeks ago, he was downright bad. This is the year of Lamar. He had one game where he threw multiple interceptions all year long. It doesn't take Einstein to figure out what game that was at this point, because I've been setting it up now for 30 seconds. It was the Browns. That was it. He had one game all year where he blew a double-digit fourth-quarter lead that was also the Browns. He had five games all year where he didn't have a single running play of over 10 yards. He's a running quarterback. This is what we know about him. Might be the greatest running quarterback of all time. Two of those five were against the Browns in the two games we played him this year. The point is that Superman stopped being Superman for one week, and that was when the Browns came to town. Superman turned into Clark Kent with the glasses on and the whole everything, and that was when he took on the Browns. Lamar Jackson looked human Trevor Lawrence looked human Joe Burrow looked human Brock Purdy looked human all of these quarterbacks that were supposed to be good melted down in front of the Browns and so I, I, I can't look at C.J. Stroud as if C.J. Stroud is the second coming apologies to C.J. Stroud and his entire family and I know if, you, if you're like a big Buckeye guy and you're rooting for C.J. Stroud I'm rooting for him too Hell, he's made, he's part of what made this year really exciting in the NFL. I love it for the Texans. I love it for the uh, the future of the Texans. I love it for the NFL. There's a bunch to love about C.J. Stroud in general. Uh, but I'm sorry, I'm not, I can't be shaken in my boots, so to speak, when it comes to being worried about C.J. Stroud. 2-1-6-4-7-4-0-92. How confident are you taking on the Texans, Don? Gonna lead us off here on overtime with Jonathan Peter. what's up, Don?
2: Hey, Jonathan, Happy New Year to you.
1: Oh, Happy New Year I'm to you, too. Thank
2: you. Good. I'm very confident. Uh, I think that uh, I'm more fearful of ourselves. If we go out there and play Cleveland Browns football, and like you were saying, all these different quarterbacks, I go a few years back when we were playing Kansas City. Mahomes is supposed to be the, the great newcomer in the NFL. But we got to him. I remember when we injured him, his ankle. And I don't think his ankle has ever healed since. If anybody's going to be the, the enemy for us, it'll be our own selves. But like I said, if our defense gets out there and plays Cleveland Browns football, we'll get to Stroud. There's, there's not ever been a quarterback yes. yet that's going to run over us like that.
1: Right. If we play and our Flacco, A game, Don, that's it. We got
2: yeah, it. Our A game. Our Cleveland Browns game. And Flacco is just waiting to be seen, man. I, I, I can't say anything about him. I just want to, like you said, if if we get to the championship game or get, at least get against the Baltimore Ravens, I just love to see him pick them apart as well.
1: Gotcha. Thank you, Don. I appreciate you. 2-1-6-4-7-4-0-92. How confident are you taking on the Texans? And let me ask you another question. You know, I, I kept saying a game, and we'll we'll address the Mahomes thing that Don had to say in a second. I I kept saying a game. I, I, how bad of a game could the Browns play and still end up with a W? That's, that's honestly what I want to know. We talked to Jeremy Branham coming up at 8 o'clock. That's what I'm dying to figure out. Now, listen, Jeremy is Jeremy's a friend of mine. I like Jeremy. We're not going to try to give him the business or anything like that. That's not what this is. I'm not all of a sudden turning it into rivalry week where I all of a sudden I hate everyone I've ever known in Houston. No, no, no. no. it's a nice place to live. They got nice people, and Jeremy, I happen to know firsthand, probably one of the nicest people I've ever worked with. That's That's the MO on Jeremy Branham, okay? I'm not going to give him the business. But I am curious to know how honest he's going to be, and what I like about him and why I have him on is that he's one of those people that does speak truths. He's not a homer. He's from Houston, which is odd to find. Not many people actually are from Houston. Like, he's Houston through and through. But he's also an honest person when it comes to his sports analysis. He's not one of those that uh, uh, could you know, blatantly see if a team doesn't have it and be like, they're the greatest I've ever seen. That's just not who he is. He just not cut from that cloth. It's probably why we jive so well and got along so well. But I, I, how – How bad of a game could the Browns play and still win this one? That's what I want to know. And we're two-and-a-half-point road favorites, so obviously Vegas tends to think that we're a much better team than what Houston is. Anytime you're a a two-and-a-half road favorite, Vegas is really thinking highly of you. And Vegas should. Last time Joe Flacco played this Texans defense, he put up 368 yards. Joe Flacco's going to do his part. It's going to be a much different task for this defense, though. Now, for the Mahomes part, I listen, I, Don. I can't take any. We lost the game. Chad Henney with that 13-yard scramble. We lost the game. If if and buts were Rashard Higgins into uh, Sorensen's helmet, uh, call away, we we might be talking a different tune. But we can't relitigate. We can't rewrite history here. It doesn't work that way. We lost that game. I, I I'm sorry. And, and and the idea that Mahomes' ankle all of a sudden had him in the the years that have followed be anything, anything but one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game, please. 21, 22, 23, that is three straight AFC title games, and really in the past five years he's been to three Super Bowls and has won two of them. Like, I'm sorry, we can't rewrite history and all of a sudden make Mahomes a bad player. Even though I'm the guy, I made some statements yesterday, oh boy, you heard it, you heard it. I made some statements yesterday about Patrick Mahomes. But, I, come on. Uh, we didn't kill Mahomes by any stretch of the measure. In fact, actually, let me, let me go back. I need a look at that. And, and 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 that season, what was weird about that season was the idea that um, we didn't have a top ten offense or scoring defense. Scoring offense or scoring defense. Now, I know what you're thinking to yourself. You're like, well... Uh, Jonathan, I mean that's we had Baker Mayfield. He was playing awesome. And yeah, Baker Mayfield from week seven on was the third best quarterback in the entire NFL. That was that was my big line that I, I kept going back to, and I would I would go back to that until the day I died. Week seven on, he was a top three quarterback in the NFL. But from a scoring perspective, the browns were not a top 10 scoring offense or scoring defense in fact we have not had either on either side of the ball until this year which is now i guess it's going to i mean that's it it's it's in it's in the cards it's done we hadn't had either since 2014 it'd been a while patrick mahomes in that game finished with a passer rating of 106 He threw for 255 yards, one touchdown, no picks, nine incompletions the entire game. Patrick Mahomes was really, really good in that game. Yeah, he wasn't normal because that's a little bit better, Patrick Mahomes, of normal, but he was still really, really good in that playoff game. Yeah, we got Chad Henney to come in. Travis Kelsey went for 109. Tyreek Hill went for 110. Kelsey found the end zone. Like, I'm sorry. We. Our defense didn't do us any favors in that game. How you can make an argument. If we don't go down 19-3 to at the half, and our defense shows up at all in the first half of that game, then we have a chance. Because the Chiefs were, uh, they were absent in the second half of that game, offensively. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of that, that AFC title game when it was the Chiefs and the Bengals a couple years ago. And uh, I, I watched Patrick Mahomes go up by three scores, and then in the second half of the game, play what was the worst half of football I've ever seen him play. He, he, he didn't know how to put together complete games at that point on a consistent level for the big-time games, and, and the Browns didn't take advantage of it. That was That's the true mark of that game right there. But the Browns didn't get the best of him from that perspective, and I, I don't even want to make the 2020 defense don't... be anything close to what this current defense is. I had no faith in that 2020 defense. If the Browns were going deep, they were going deep on the idea – that the the Browns offense guided by Baker Mayfield and everyone else was going to get him there. Run game in particular with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Kareem was awesome that season. That was the best he ever looked in a Browns uniform was that year. This year, as much as I love Joe Flacco, and I'm like this close to buying the wacko for Flacco since 23 shirts, one because I don't know why I feel this. I don't, you can tell me if you feel this way too. I feel like a need to support Joe Flacco. The guy's worth a hundred million dollars, and I, I, I'm I'm treating his his uh, his T-shirt stand like he, like it's supporting him for the very first time, like he's a young rookie quarterback. We should be buying. If you're like a Bengals fan, Jake Browning T-shirts, you should buy in support because that man doesn't make enough relative to how good he's been. He doesn't make enough money, right? Like, he should be a millionaire a few times over with how many games he's won and how he made the Bengals look relevant and all these other things. Joe Flacco's worth $100 million, and I'm, I'm like, this close to being like, well, I got I to gotta buy a T-shirt. I have to support that, man. It's not even about what the T-shirt says. It just He's just been so good. I need to support what he's doing out here. I need to support him being in Cleveland. How, how backwards is that line of thinking? But as good as Joe Flacco's been, the defense is still – why I can feel so confident in this Browns team? How confident are you taking on the Texans? 2-1-6-4-7-4-00-92. on Twitter. There you can find me. I am at Jay Peterlin. Twitter reactions. Brought to you by our friends at Shabin' Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. I wanted the AFC South. I got the AFC South. It's a, it's exactly uh, the situation that I was asking for. I, I'm sorry. As long as I avoided the Bills, the Chiefs. The Dolphins, as long as I avoided the heavy hitters in the first round, I feel good about it. Now I know what's waiting in round two, but we don't have to get ahead of ourselves. The Texans are waiting in round one. 216474 to ninety-two. On Twitter again, you can find me. There I am at JP. A couple of people chiming in. Uh, that guy in Cleveland saying some nice things as well. DC saying, glad you have a pulse. Thank you, DC. I appreciate that. I do have a pulse. I had COVID last week. We are doing better. I have made it through now two segments without coughing, which means we're in, good, we're in good shape. We'll find out what happens for the remaining rest of the show. No promises, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, a couple people, by the way, making some jokes about the Panthers uh, requesting themselves for their open head coaching position. They have nine candidates that have been requested for interviews to update their head coaching search. We are going to keep an eye on some of the coaching tracking situation, but I, I do want to hear from you guys, and I do think there's a reason why and for the first time in a long time, we can have so much confidence in this Browns defense where it doesn't matter what CJ Stroud has been and how good he's been. We'll get to that. Two one six four seven four double O ninety two. 474 0092. Are you scared of CJ Stroud? Jeremy Branham, ESPN Houston, joining us coming up in about 25 minutes. It's overtime with Jonathan one here with you on the fan. <laughs> Here on The Fan, it is overtime with Jonathan Pino. i glad you guys could all be with me here on this Monday. Jeremy Branham, ESPN Houston, going to join us coming up in about 15 minutes or so, get you the latest on the Texans' perspective. I don't know, is he going to agree with Sean Pendergast that this is kind of like, uh, this is house money for the Texans? I would imagine when you enter a season, I remember this vividly. Now, I have a lot of friends in Houston. I used to work in Houston for three years. I never covered the Texans per se. It was weird. I, I worked for a network, and so I, I I did national radio in Houston, but I I went and covered the teams mainly because I wanted to be in like pro, you know pro sporting events. That, that was really all it comes down to. It was like I was 24 years old to 27 years old. Moved to Cleveland. When I was 27. I got out of Wichita. Yeah, 24 to 27. And so I, I it was an odd time where I hadn't been in too many professional settings. Like 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 pro ballpark settings, so I wanted to do all that, and obviously the Texans are the team in town, the Astros were the team in town, like the the Rockets, and I, I, there was no need for me to go to any of that stuff though, but I went. Because i never really been around and covered pro teams. So I was like, let's go do this. You know, I came from Wichita, where I was covering Wichita State basketball. It's a big difference in covering college basketball and then a step up to the pros. In fact, you make an argument, it's more fun because it, like, just, people care about it more because it's, it's so much more, uh, I mean, like, when you're in a college town, Wichita State's not necessarily a college town, but it has college town atmospheres to it. They eat, sleep, breathe. Indiana State versus Wichita State basketball. Okay, like they they get excited for it, and it's different because in a pro town, and especially a town like Houston, where they're they what the third most people in the in the country, and not everyone's interested in going to a Rockets game on a Tuesday night. It just it's just the reality of it, but man. Being around the Texans and being around how they facilitate and how they do things and how they operate, it's night and day. But I just remember thinking to myself, there's so many people I met, so many people I know in Houston. And earlier this year, I remember thinking, man, am I lucky to be in Cleveland and not in Houston. I, I just—I had that thought when I was scrolling through Facebook and seeing a couple buddies of mine in Houston as they were trying to talk about that Texans team. I was like, oh, it just felt like it was Awful. Nothing was going right. They have they've had all sorts of fallout after the Deshaun stuff. Not necessarily from a fan perspective, but just from an ownership level down. They went through everything with uh, Bill O'Brien down to then hiring that 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 con artist priest of theirs and Jack Easterby. Like there was so many weird, random things that just never added up, and they just have been through the ringer. And to see them now as a 10-win team, there's a reason why. They're being talked about as one of the best stories of the NFL this year. 216474 to below 92. But in that same breath, we shouldn't be acting as if Houston's some sort of juggernaut, and I don't get the impression that you guys are. I, I feel like you guys have the right mentality on this one, which I don't know if that's the greatest thing for our psyche if things don't go well on, on Saturday, but I understand why you have it. The defense has been so good this year, and our offense with Flacco has been so good as of late. It's a lot of reason to be excited right now. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Jude and Sandusky up next on the fan.
3: What's up, Jude? What's up, sir? How's it going? Hey, 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 Jude. How's it going? I can tell you're not from here after that last little bit. Okay.
1: What? What did I? What was the giveaway? What was it?
3: You're going in confident, saying that we. You think everyone's <laughs> on the same thing? This is Cleveland, man.
1: Holy crap! You hey, know, hey, hey! I, I- Morning, Jude. I don't know if you caught it or not. The morning show was wondering if you should root for the Steelers because uh, the Steelers could inevitably give the Browns a home field advantage in round two. I thought the same thing you're thinking right now. I said, "Wait a second. That's not how this city has ever had the mentality there is of never thinking one ahead." To root
3: for the Steelers. That's a crazy thought too.
1: Well, but they wanted home field advantage because they already were looking past the it Texans It doesn't matter. Game.
3: I'd rather I'd rather see the Steelers not make the playoffs than root for us to get in. Like that's I, crazy. Uh, Dude, I I get it. I
1: get it. But uh, there's some weird – people don't know what to do with this postseason. I have no idea what to do with this
3: postseason. Listen, this weekend I'm going in assuming that we're going to lose. Listen, everyone's all over Stefanski. He is not coach of the year. Let me tell you who is. And it's the defensive coordinator. It's Jim Schwartz. Let me just remind all the Browns fans of 2001, the championship game against the Chiefs. Stefanski punched the ball instead of just – it's a one-score game if we go for it no matter what, stop him after three downs.
4: Did you say Stefanski's 2001? not the
3: answer. It's, it's Jim Schwartz. That guy is freaking killing it, Jim I mean, Schwartz. I, I,
1: I like Jim Schwartz too, Jude. I do, I do, and I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I like i like him just as much as the next guy, but let's not rip on Stefanski. Yeah, we ought to talk about not knowing the moment. That's not knowing the moment right there. I don't know, I'm getting a lot of tweets in here. That guy saying, uh, that guy in Cleveland, Twitter reactions brought to you by Shabin Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. You know, for for Jude trying to speak for all of Northeast Ohio there and saying they have no confidence this week, that guy says I'm very confident in this playoff game with the Texans, reason being is that our defense is going to be more fired up than ever before, and he expects Stroud to be shut down with a couple sacks on him. I am seeing more confidence attached to this fan base for this week's game than I feel like I've ever seen. Maybe that might not be Northeast Ohio's mentality. Okay, fine. But you know what? Sometimes it's okay to change the mentality. Because I haven't seen a team, as long as I've been here now, and we're going on eight years, I haven't seen a team look like this team in Northeast Ohio. Not in professional football. So maybe the mentality does have to shift just a little bit. And maybe on Saturday night, we can go back into the gutter if they end up losing this game. I just don't see it happening. And I'm not calling out the shots, but you're two-and-a-half-point road favorites. Vegas tells you you're supposed to be the better team. You are going to have to play a pretty lousy game, all things considered, to not get that win. 216474 0092. And there I go, sounding really confident once again. It's funny the the, the line between Homer and. Ah! Uh, you know? Convenient. Uh, Jerry in Cuyahoga Falls up next on the fan. What's up, Jerry?
0: Jonathan, I'm right with you. I'm not from Cleveland either. <laughs> but I've been up here over thirty years, yeah. And I have some... witnessed. I'm from Baltimore, by the way, and I've witnessed the heartache. I witnessed the team being sold. I witnessed all these things. I've been up here. I I was living up here when they fired Bernie with Belichick, and every all things considered, you talk of Cleveland, believe it, Cleveland, believe it. There's a reason why. These things are happening. And I'm telling you right now, if anybody deserves a championship, I guarantee you they're going to they're be juiced. You watch and see. I'm right with you. I'm so fired up for this town, man. Believe I mean, it, man. It's the greatest it, thing ever. Thank you, Jerry. Thank absolutely. you. And look, you've been around, too, and I have, too, and I've never seen nothing like this in Cleveland. And, boy, it's happening. It's happening right in front of your face, and enjoy it.
1: It feels like it. Thank you, Jerry. I appreciate you. It does. It just it feels like it. I'm not going to be the one that, uh, you know what, in your Cheerios, uh, because all of a sudden I'm worried about the other shoe to drop. I'm, I'm trying. I want more for you, Cleveland. I, I want this for you. I need this for you. Not just the win, but the mentality change and the shift in changing and the philosophy, because how many people – if I were to have told at some point throughout this year, how many games did we watch where it's like, ah, classic Browns. We're waiting them. We're waiting for the other shoe to drop in this game. Ah, that's a game that the Browns normally would have lost. How many times have we been saying that? Can't we go back to the idea that maybe this team is different? Maybe there is something you can buy into with this team that is different. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You know what? If I'm wrong, I'll be there on Monday to eat crow the same way I've been there for how many years now, right? If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. We'll find out. I just feel really good about this game. And I, I think the fact that uh, a lot of our friends in Houston, uh, we'll talk to one in Jeremy Branham coming up in 10 minutes, dying to find out if he thinks this way as well, are looking at this game as if it's house money. It, it, when you're looking at it like house money, I know how you're approaching this one. 216474 0092. Like you're about to get the boots beat in, I tell you that. Adam, up next on the fan. What's up, Adam?
4: Hey, JP, how are
1: you? Hey, how's it going?
4: Uh, pretty good. So I've been listening, you know, pretty much all day, and you know, it's been it's been a mixed bag of of how everybody's felt. But I'll talk specifically this morning um, with Ken Carman that he feels like everybody is just nobody's pumped about this game, um, and everybody's semi worried about this game. And I, I think I can explain it, and I, I think that I, I fit into um, what everybody else is thinking too. Okay. When we went into this weekend, okay, we know we're in the playoffs, and so we know that there's a potential three teams that we're going to play: Jacksonville, Indianapolis, Houston. Right? I think if anybody had their choice, Houston would have been the last team that we wanted to play, and the reason being is we know that Trevor Lawrence is is gimped up and he's not playing well, so we would have been fine with Jacksonville. We know that Indianapolis is on their backup quarterback with Gardner Minshew, and we know that we can beat them. We have beat Houston. We beat them at their place, but we beat them without CJ Stroud. Mm-hmm. And now we've never actually got to see him play against us, but everybody knows from his day at Ohio State to now his first year in Houston what he's been able to do, and it's scary. And I think that it's the unknown of how CJ Stroud is going to do against our defense that has people worried. And That's probably the reason that everybody's maybe a little bit weary about being, okay, we are the better team because we are the better team and that we should go in there and win, and Vegas thinks we should go in there and win, and with all hopes we do go in there and win. But I do think that after this weekend we go in there and win, this town is going to be so pumped up because no matter who comes up next, we know who they are, we know what they do, we know how we are, and we know what to do, and it's going to be a lot different of a story. This weekend is just that unknown, just kind of – A bit really of a wild card feeling. for you. Exactly. That's mm. exactly it. It's just – it's C.J. Stroud. That's interesting. How is he going to play against us? He's a rookie. You know what? First time in the playoffs, we got a great defense. It all spells good for us, but you just never know, and there's just that think... feeling – Of course, with the Browns. It's the Browns. I love them wholeheartedly my whole life, but it is the Browns, and you just don't want that disappointment. So it's just so hard to be all in right now. They win this first week. I guarantee everybody's all in going for it, and you know what? It's going to be hype around here, but we just need to get through this weekend.
1: Adam, good perspective. Uh, you gave me a lot to think about. I appreciate that. I, I think there's – and just compounding on that. And Listen, I have a lot of confidence still. And I, I mean, again, a lot of te- – Texans lost to the Panthers in week eight. Like, there's, there's a lot of things about the Texans that are faulty. C.J. Stroud is not one of them. I think the idea that there are so many people in Northeast Ohio that are also Buckeye fans – are playing a big part into some of the thinking and the ideology attached to C.J. Stroud and him being that wild card that Adam talked about. Because you watched him go into that game against Georgia in the playoffs, most important game of his life to that point, and he played a game that you hadn't seen uh, C.J. Stroud play up until that point. He was dynamic. He was dynamic. And I think there's a part of the the Browns fandom that is leaked into Ohio State fandom where they think, they we, we know this guy better than Houston knows him. Well, I'm going to bring Jeremy Branham on. They're like, okay, tell us about, about C.J. Stroud, what we don't already know and what we've seen for the, the previous two years. That's going to be some of your response. I know it. A different, he's a different player in the, in the pro level, though. And this Browns team is a much different. A, 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 a much different. But I understand the trepidation to a degree. I just look at this defense, and I haven't seen too many quarterbacks this year, C.J. Stroud or otherwise. I'm talking Brock Purdy. I'm talking Joe Burrow. I'm talking some of the best of the best, what we consider Lamar Jackson, what we consider to be the best of the best, and they haven't been able to touch this Browns defense. More on this. Jeremy Branham, ESPN Houston, going to join us next. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterwin, here with you on The Fan.